This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton, and you're listening to Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We are with you each and every weekday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, and our show replaying 12 hours later in the evenings, 10 p.m. East, 7 p.m. out on the West Coast. And just a reminder to go to the Sirius XM website, which will allow you to download the app so that you can listen to all the great channels here on the Sirius XM network, whether they be news, sports, talk, whatever. Uh, go to SiriusXM.com backslash app to find out more. Certainly the banking sector has had its rough patches over the last decade. It's also had to deal with the repercussions uh, being Dodd-Frank and the stress tests and many other new features. Even in recent months, many people wonder about the leadership that needs to be with these companies that are primarily responsible for our economic security. Bruce Van Zahn is the chairman and CEO of Citizens Bank. He is speaking on the Penn campus today as part of the Leadership Forum run by Wharton's Mike Uceum, which brings in leaders from all different sectors to discuss various topics on leadership. And it's great to have Bruce here in the studio. Nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure, Dan. What does it mean for you to be the leader and present leadership as a CEO of a company these days in the banking sector? Well, I think banks are uh, have gone through, as you say, um, a lot of change since the Great Recession. Um, and a lot of that change was, in fact, uh, appropriate and, and necessary. So uh, I think the first phase of change was better prudential running of the bank, so a focus on safety and soundness and less leverage on balance sheets and stress testing and the like. And then I think the next phase was more around culture and conduct and being aligned with customers and focused on delivering good customer outcomes. And that'll be the focus of my talk today is that with all the external change that we're seeing uh, in technology and the use of data and great experiences that other industries are offering to their customers, the bar is going up very quickly on banks, and we need to get on the front foot and embrace uh, the use of data and more personalization in terms of how we interact with our customers. Yeah, and I guess it has to now, it has to be a continuously evolving process at this point. It's not like you can get to a point, see success, and and have policies that work and leave them in place for a decade or two decades. Exactly. You have to uh, be out in the environment seeing what change is taking place and how technology and data are being deployed, and then uh, bring that back into your company to deliver better for customers. And you also have to have a culture that's innovative, that you're constantly looking for you know, new ideas inside the company. How do we test and learn? How do we get those to market quickly so we can continue to up our game in terms of how we're delivering for customers? So specifically there, what are the focal points of innovation within the banking sector these days? Well, I think part of it is moving the business model uh, in a digital orientation. So yeah. I'll give you a couple examples. So uh, last year, we launched an integrated digital uh, banking and uh, wealth advisory platform called Specify, and it's in partnership with a fintech called SigFig. 
which really allows folks to save and allocate their assets in a very cost-effective way and build their investment portfolios over time. Um, and so that's com- a completely digital experience. It has a lower price point than if you came into the branches and were delting, dealing with uh, older advisors who could uh, give you that asset advice. Um, there's a online experience we have for small business loans, uh, again, powered with a relationship with a fintech called Foundation yeah. that has a, a ability to quickly assess whether the company's creditworthy, how much to lend, and we can originate that loan in, within two weeks. Uh, so, you know, better experiences, faster fulfillment experiences, uh, that's the way the world is going. And uh, I think banks are, are – kind of incorporating that into their business model. So how do you think then that is going to change the overall structure of the bank itself moving forward? Because you know, with all this technology, a lot of people wonder, well, what's going to happen to the old traditional branch? You know, I, I would go down to my local branch. Yeah. I would see my teller. I would see the branch leader. Is that going to change, or is there still enough of that need to have that where that will continue ad infinitum. Yeah, look, um, it's very clear that customers uh, with the highest loyalty and engagement stores towards their bank use all the channels. And so the challenge is to integrate those channels so that it's a seamless experience for the customer. So whether you come into into the branch and seek personal advice from someone or whether you have a problem and you want to talk to our contact center or whether you want to go online and see our offerings or, or pay your bills, uh, that has to be an excellent experience across all those channels. Uh, on the physical branches themselves, we're going through a, basically a 10-year transformation uh, project where every year we're doing about uh, 100 of our 1,200 branches in terms of putting them into new formats. So less space dedicated towards transactions, um, like the old teller platform of yesteryear. You can do most of your transactions either at the smart machines out in the foyer, or you can do it over your phone, or you can pay your bills online. So you don't need as much space for that. But what you need more space of is private meeting space, where you can uh, actually set up an appointment, meet with a specialist, whether it's to borrow money or to invest money or to take out a mortgage loan. Uh, so you can go in, you can close the door, and you can have private conversations. When you think about the development of, of technology in all different aspects of, of the banking sector, I would think it's surprising to me how it has been ingrained, and I think technology in general has been ingrained in our society. And I'd be interested to get your opinion about how you view the implementation of tech in the banking sector and how important it has become Especially, obviously, because, look, I'm sitting here with my smartphone, and, yes, I have an app for my bank so that I can do a lot of my work right there instead of having to go to the branch. Right. Uh, well, you know, banks run uh, very big core processing systems. So we're moving money. We're, we're settling yeah. payments for, uh, you know, millions, billions, if you're a bigger bank, of dollars each day. And so uh, the, the, the challenge has been that many of those legacy platforms – were siloed and they didn't communicate across and really uh, create a, a record of where the customer touch points were through that process. So uh, there's there's a great desire to update those programs uh, to make them more integrated and to take data 
from those different platforms and then create a data repository so we can analyze information, uh, we can personalize our offers and suggest really good solutions for our customers. So there's a whole sea change of effort that's going on behind the scenes that will yeah. make banks, I think, just better players and more in line with what some of the digital native players are doing like Google and Amazon. But then also that kind of last mile, if you will, that connection to the customer. How do you get it onto the phone? How do you create a good experience and a and a great capability in terms of the functionality on a mobile app? Uh, that's another uh, effort that banks have undertaken and um, I think are also getting on the front foot and starting to deliver more and more value to but their customers. It's also not only the, the, the process between for the customer and the bank, that relationship, but it's also the employees of the bank between sectors, you know, banking and loans, loan, you know, there, there are so many different pieces where that technology probably is making the process quite a bit easier and quite a bit more seamless. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Why do you think then, then what do you expect then to be the next step in the process? for the banking sector, because now we're in a time where seemingly it looks like we're going to see changes to Dodd-Frank. That's going to mean changes in regulation towards banks a little bit. What is going to be the next step in the process in your mind? Well, I think what, what banks really need to do is to differentiate uh, that experience for their customers and become that trusted advisor on life's journey. Um, there's competition coming from all avenues. Uh, the boundaries between industries have lessened. And so you've got, you know, big tech looking to get into financial services. Can they uh, disrupt the payment space? Uh, so Amazon is doing things. Yeah. Apple's are doing things. Uh, you've got the money center banks looking to uh, expand now. They, they are, uh, you know, JP Morgan, for example, has announced a plan to open 400 branches in yeah. major cities. Um, and so I think for banks, dependent, no, regardless of what their size is, They've got to establish that strong bond with their customer um, and deliver that great experience and be the trusted advisor and make the moments that matter um, easy for their customers and deliver a great uh, outcome. So uh, we've uh, focused on what we call these customer journeys, uh, which are the moments of truth between a customer and their bank, trying to make them really uh, much more effective uh, and seamless uh, than they were in the past. Um, I think in the past, um, we didn't look at the handoffs from one division to another. So let me give you a couple examples. So yeah. opening a new account, what do people want? You kind of start with a great experience would be somebody just went in, they opened an account, and they said, oh, my gosh, that was terrific. I'm so happy I opened my account at Citizens Bank. And then you say, well, what would have to happen for that to be the outcome? And part of it is people want access mm. to their funds right away. And that means you yeah. have to get them a card that they can use, that they don't have to wait for it to come in the mail and for the password to come separately in the mail. So how do we do that? How do we re-engineer that whole process from front all the way to the back office to make that happen? We got another one going on problem resolution. We got another one going on fraud. What happens if I have a fraud? So there's experiences that could be heavily uh, friction-oriented experience that we're trying to turn frictionless. So if we can keep doing that and we can uh, you know, keep up with some of the technology advances we see outside the banking industry, I think we have a good chance to continue to be successful the, as an industry. I would imagine the security aspect of it has to be very important Huge. as well, especially now that tech is such a, a, a big player in That's this. That's right. That's right. And so 
you know, it seems like the the budgets we have for cyber defenses go up and up and up and up <laughs> every year because, you know, the bad guys are good and you close a door on them and they're trying to find a new yeah. avenue to, to attack. And so uh, I think I think making sure that, you know, people trust us with their assets and with their information, that's been an important role that banks have played over time. So, you know, you think back 50 years ago, bank branches were made out of brick and people would sure. say, I feel safe that my money is behind those brick walls sure, that are yeah. locked up at night. Yeah. Well, guess what? All those assets are now on a computer somewhere. So does the bank have the same kind of security, the fortress security yeah. around their assets and their uh, information? So we have to make sure that uh, people feel comfortable. That's one of the reasons that they're going to trust the bank to to do their financial services for them. I think that then that becomes an interesting point to bring up is that realistic, and we've talked about this on the show before, is the fact that for a long period of time, the question of whether or not the resources for uh, security, for IT, were there from companies was a question, and whether or not that message was being resonated all the way up to the C-suite. Seemingly, the banking sector has to be one of the more important, and I would think healthcare as well, yeah. have to be the sectors that, that to a degree, are leading that understanding right. about how important the investment in security is. Right, right. And and there's some great companies out there that have developed some great tools, and we're putting in new releases all the time to make sure that we're upping our game. What is then the impact that you think, of, especially over the last eight years or so, that, that Dodd-Frank has had on the banking sector? I actually think on balance, uh, Dodd-Frank has been positive. So uh, codifying some of the risk management disciplines and uh, around stress testing and the higher capital requirements has yeah. been a positive. Um, although what I would say is uh, often when there's a crisis – uh, the fix goes in, and the pendulum swings too far. Okay. And so there's been a concerted effort on the part of the new administration and members of Congress and the regulators to say, well, where did the pendulum go too far? Because the the uh, kind of corollary of it going too far is uh, it, there's, a, there's an impact on economic growth and the ability of, ability of credit uh, to companies. And so I think what you've seen now with the new bill that just passed uh, the House and uh, Senate is an effort to streamline that a little bit, yeah. keep the good things about the reform so we still have heightened safety versus last time we had a big crisis. But uh, companies won't be spending as much time uh, you know, doing work that's less productive. Um, and uh, some of the uh, constraints that have been on the banks will be loosened a bit so they can be out there innovating for customers and making credit more freely available so for you, customers. you see the recent change as being a, a good one yes. fr from the perspective of differentiating the big banks from the medium-sized right. banks because they do play to a degree in, in right. different fields. Yes, and and you could accuse me of talking my book here since we're uh, under $250 billion, we're $153 billion yeah. institutions, so we yeah. get a benefit, the smaller banks get a benefit, and the bigger banks uh, didn't get uh, significant benefits. But uh, certainly I think the complexity of the bigger banks uh, merits, I think, more regulatory scrutiny and the, you know, the regional banks and the community banks who are out there in the local communities uh, making loans and helping communities uh, prosper 
uh, we get a little more flexibility to focus on doing that. Was the idea of, of having the stress test an important one to have in this whole process, Absolutely. especially coming Absolutely. out of what, what happened? I, I, I think what we've done now is we've infused the stress testing approach in, uh, in how we do our strategic planning and how we allocate capital. Throughout so, the company. Throughout the company. So, yeah. so let's say um, we're thinking about where we want to grow our loan book next year. And somebody says, we have a good opportunity to put a billion dollars of commercial real estate loans onto the books. Well, we'll run that through the stress test and say, well, in a bad environment, commercial real estate can be seen as more risky. Do we have the capital yeah. uh, to take the drawdown? And how far away do we think we are from a drawdown? And so that's now all part of the discipline of running the bank. And after all, the main obligation we have, we have an obligation to all our stakeholders, but uh, to the regulator, we're responsible to run a safe and sound institution. And that has to be top of mind. How, how, how do banks, and this uh, I, I think is a broad question, but I, I think it's an important one, I mean, we have the recession, obviously, a few years ago, but it's not like it was the first one we've ever had. We've had them, and they've come somewhat incrementally over the period of time. And most people believe there will be another one at some point down the road. How does the banking sector operate and prepare knowing that that is something that is kind of in the offing? Yeah. Well, I I think there will always be cycles. Um, What's been interesting about this cycle is that you've had – actually uh, more tepid recovery than we've seen in the sure, past. Yeah. But it's going on now as one of longer. the longer recovery periods. Um, but everything that we look at in terms of uh, delinquencies on consumer loans or non-performing assets in commercial loans are all uh, flashing green. They're all The economy's in very good shape. And I think borrowers, whether they're families and individuals or whether they're companies, have their, their household finances or their balance sheets in good shape. So I think you go in, uh, you know, assuming that it's it's safe to lend, it's safe to grow your business in the good times. But again, you keep one eye out for that banana peel. So what happens <laughs> if the recession hits in two years? You know, what's the capital drawdown going to be, and do we have sufficient capital to make sure that we can cover that? Got to always watch out for that banana peel. That's right. You don't want to slip on that. <laughs> We're joined by Bruce Van Zahn, who is the chairman and CEO of Citizens Bank, uh, here on the uh, Wharton and Penn campus for the Leadership Forum. Uh, being hosted by Mike Useem. Uh You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Uh, you've talked about it a, a good bit, but I want to go back to it, is, is the fact that it, it now truly is. It is the bank's operation, but the relationship it has with the consumer and making sure that all of the processes are as effective as you can possibly get them moving forward to kind of put what has been negative in the rearview mirror and look for the positive and innovate and continue to, to grow as you can. Yes, exactly right. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there was a period where uh, banks actually weren't always looking out for their customers' best interests. They were trying to figure out, you know, can I slip in a fee here, a, yeah. a statement fee or something maybe they won't notice. Yeah. Um, and so it was more about the the profit orientation of the institution. And I think what, you know, the crisis revealed is that uh, the loyalty towards the institution wasn't really there at the end of the day. And uh, that had been taken for granted. And so uh, the change in culture, the change in conduct towards, look, we're in business to serve our customers. Uh, We have to delight our customers. We have to become that trusted advisor. 
that's why we're in business. And banking uh, is a, a noble profession. Uh, we, we help uh, families uh, on their journey through life. Uh, we help co- start up companies. We make the first loan to small businesses. We help people get their first mortgage. Uh, we have probably more volunteerism in banking than in any industry, so we can make a big differences, big difference in in communities um, and all of the uh, good not-for-profit work that takes place in communities. Yeah. And so we're trying to attract the colleagues who actually view banking as a noble profession and say, this is what I want to do because I can help people. I can help people if I'm working in their consumer bank. I can help people if I'm working in the commercial bank. We've got people working in our community organizations who are really out and about trying to make things happen in the community. Does it, does it at time, though, and I'm not going to mention banks specifically, but, you know, I mean, we have seen instances of issues still pop up with banks today. Does yeah. does it worry you that there are there are elements of that culture that still pop up from time yeah, to time? Look, um, I, I think, uh, you know, for example, Wells Fargo has been in the news. And yeah. uh, I think part of the issues there were uh, really a sales orientation yep. in terms of their culture yep. and then also their incentive system. Yep. And so, you know, they came unmoored from where they should have been. I think they've acknowledged that, uh, and now they're trying to bring it back and regain the trust of their customers, and I think they will. They've been a great bank for, whatever, 150 years, yep. and uh, they'll, they'll be able to do that with time. But that um, hurts. That hurts the industry's overall impression, like, sure. there they go again. Uh, yeah. And I think, though, if we if we just continue to up our game, deliver for customers, be present in the community, uh, tell our story, uh, that will resonate over time. So you'll still see uh, some of those instances. I think they'll become fewer and fewer. Unfortunately, the Wells was quite visible. Sure. Uh, but one thing I will say is that in the wake of Wells, uh, the regulators came in and they examined the top 30 banks to see where there are other situations like Wells and Pretty much, they made some some recommendations, but they were relatively modest. And I think you know, Wells was more out on its own. And these practices have been uh, tuned up, and I think the incentive systems are aligned for the most part with yeah. in, with their customers between banks and their customers across the broad industry. So a lot of change has happened for the good. I think you'll still see the one-off things, but I think they'll become less frequent and less frequent. And that's why the culture part of it is is, so is, is a huge, huge yeah. piece to it, correct? That's right. Exactly. Uh, we're talking with Bruce Van Zandt, CEO and uh, chairman of uh, Citizens Bank. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I mentioned that you're speaking here on campus today. You, you touched on it briefly, but really, what is the message that you want to pass on to the, the people that will be coming to the leadership forum today? I think the uh, the main message is that uh, the world outside is changing very rapidly. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with Ginny Romady, uh, who leads IBM yeah. recently, yeah. and she said, that you know we are every 25 years or so there's a major change in technology uh, that really um, has profound impacts on companies on individuals um, and on society more broadly and we're in one of those periods and it's really focused on data and the use of data uh, and uh, and digitization and so um, i think my message is that uh, if we're going to navigate through this period, uh, any big period of change creates opportunities, uh, and so you could potentially strengthen your business model. It also creates risk that if you 
uh, fall behind, it could actually hurt uh, your position and, and ultimately lead to the destruction of your franchise. And so uh, the, the areas that I focus my conversation on are – uh, looking for new customer interaction models to take yeah. advantage of digitization and data and personalized offers to your customers. Uh, the second is on smart innovation, is to bring good ideas into the company, either through hiring creative people or through partnerships with fintechs, for example. And then uh, the last element is you really have to train leaders uh, who – uh, get it, who who, yeah. who can manage through change, who are innovative, who can foster that culture uh, to really test and learn and continue to push the envelope in terms of what we're doing for our customers. Great meeting you. Thank you yeah. for coming in okay. today, Bruce. It's been my pleasure. Thank Dan. you. Bruce Van Zahn, uh, Chairman and CEO of Citizens Bank, joining us here in our studios in Philadelphia. That'll take care of what we're going to do for the day. We will be back with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, live here on Sirius XM 111. Tomorrow is part of the show. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the potential change of uh, fuel mileage standards here in the United States. That's been a topic of conversation amongst many people, uh, citizens, and as well the EPA. We're going to take a look at that, about what might happen in that realm tomorrow. Uh, And then also uh, we're going to talk to a very interesting combination, a father and daughter who have written a book uh, that, that's it's it's a fantastic book. It's called Invested. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger taught me to master my mind, my emotions, and my money. We'll be joined by Phil and Danielle Town tomorrow on the show. Many thanks to Patty McMahon, Monique Nazareth putting the show together, Dion Simpkins. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you tomorrow. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 